This is ETX Creatives, the, the podcast. podcast. That was weird. <laughs> <laughs> Turn it on, Ben. Turn it on. Hey, guys. We've got Derek White in studio with us today. He is a painter who specializes in um, collage and, you know, just really cool stuff. He went to uh, UNT, University of North Texas. Uh, He's lived in East Texas for 18-ish years. Um, And he is here with us today. Hello. Hey, Derek. Happy to be here. We're excited to have you. So we want to start by asking some new questions. New questions. Um, New questions. Um, We've been chatting for a little bit, so, um, you know, we're just going to get some very poignant answers out of you now, and I'm just going to babble. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So um, in a short synopsis, can you tell us, in 25 words or less, we're going to count, just kidding, um, (laughs) about your work? About your work. About my work. About your work. Uh, well, like Lisa mentioned, I'm, I'm primarily a painter. I do work in collage. Um, I've done some sculpture and some ceramics. Uh, but, uh, you know, my love and my passion is mostly painting. And really, um, it's not content-driven per se. It's more process-driven. Um, I'm obsessed with pushing paint around and seeing reactions to what I'm doing with my hands and the tools that I'm using on the surface of the canvas or wood. And uh, kind of letting the process dictate the imagery or the form of the piece. So, you know, when something drips or something smudges or something uh, gets erased or, or you ground back, grind back to another layer or something like that, I'm, I'm really interested in that process. And then, you know, there is content and meaning that comes out uh, sometimes on a subconscious level, uh, just life and struggles and joys and pleasure and all the things that, you know, we all deal with as human beings. Very nice. And do you let the um, material itself that you're working on inform how you'll start a painting or just after you begin? Yeah, um, it has a lot to do with the materials that I'm using, whether I'm, you know, incorporating screen printing or, um, you know, painting with acrylics or or whatever it is I'm doing. I don't do a lot of... uh, preliminary sketches or ideas. I don't know what the finished product is going to look like before I start. That's exciting. And it, it, it's, it can be very exciting. It can be also very frustrating. Because <laughs> um, I encourage students and you know, other artists, and I wish I had the discipline to do it myself, to, to keep a sketchbook, to, to jot down those ideas, to sketch the stuff out. And then I just I can't work that way for some reason. I, I, I do have a sketchbook, and I'll jot down ideas, and I'll sketch this or that. But when I start a piece, I have no idea what it's going to look like. And like Lisa said, that's that's the exciting part. That's the part that keeps me addicted and keeps me coming back to, to be just as surprised as anybody else as to what the end result's going to be. But when it doesn't go well, I just want to chuck it out the window or set it on fire. It, 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 can, be, it can take you down a lot of wrong paths, but sometimes the stars align and it just really kind of sinks together and becomes this amazing experience. You know, I keep hearing people say it's like there's a lot of failures, and I think that's a good thing to remember. It's like if we can fail at something enough times, we learn something through it. Mm-hmm. So what um, what is your process? Well, uh, failure. Failure. <laughs> yeah. 
That's so scary. It, it well, <laughs> it's it can be scary if you're if you just lower your expectations on what you want. If you're out in the studio and you're there to create, regardless of the finished product, then it's not scary at all. It, you're just taking the time to. I don't know. It's a stress reliever. It gets you in that zone. Um, you know, expands your intellect. It just it does all those therapeutic things that art does. If you can just go out there and create, not worried about how it's going to look, and not worried about trying to please some phantom audience you have in your mind. So, I like to go out there and I, I like to fail. You know, I like to to bring it back from the bad decisions so that then I know what not to do and see if I can salvage a piece. And some of my favorite pieces are not the ones that, you know, aligned and, you know, you know, went off without a hitch and were completed in, you know, less than an hour and they look great or I think they look great. It's the ones that kind of fought with me and it was almost like, you know, a boxing match or something. Yeah. Round after round, I just keep getting up and keep going back out there. I've got one in my studio right now I've been fighting with for a month and... I hate it. Yeah. I absolutely hate it. And there's something to that. Um, I'm eventually going to love it. I don't know when, and it's going to take some some fighting with this piece to get it where I want it. But right now, I hate it. <laughs> and I know that feeling. <laughs> I have one in my studio, too, right that, now that it, it's like, okay. That's what I was going to say. I, I encourage my students all the time that every single artist I know, every single artist I've ever studied, read about, heard talk, deals with those nagging self-doubts that I can't do this, this is too frustrating. They go through that frustration. Every single artist, whether they're musicians or they're writers or they're poets or they're painters or they're photographers, everybody does it. And you think that not only is this piece bad, you think it's the worst piece that's ever been. <laughs> you know, we, we, just, we just take it and just jump off a cliff with that idea of, oh my gosh, I, I'm not, not only am I not good enough, I've created the worst piece of art that's ever existed in the history of mankind. <laughs> and you have, to, you have to ignore that, and you just have to keep punching yeah. and, and keep fighting and, and keep, keep creating. Yeah. So visually, what does that look like to push through with one of your works? Are you covering? Or are you just adding more layers? Are you? I do a lot of layers. Uh, sometimes I'll go back um, and you know take layers off by sanding back into the the surface. Oh, wow. um, but a lot of times, and and this is one of the things that I find that's exciting for my work, at least for me, is I can go back when I add layers when I'm when I'm not satisfied with what's happening on the surface of the canvas. I'll go back with a new layer. And I'll keep those little bits and pieces mm-hmm. that I thought worked. You know, I won't I won't cover the whole thing. I don't fight it out and start over. But I, I keep those little layers. And, and sometimes it's interesting, at least to me, to look at a piece and I can kind of tell the four paintings it was before it was that one. Yeah. And I can see traces of, oh, yeah, I remember when it was that one. I hated it so much. But I like that little bitty red spot in the corner, so I kept it. Yeah. And so that you can see these peaks of layers and layers and layers showing through in the ultimate finished piece. Well, why have you chosen painting? I've been curious about that personally. Known you for years, and I've always wanted to know what stuck with paint over, or canvas over, you know, a sculptural form that you could manipulate. I think the short answer is my patience. <laughs> um, I love ceramics. I absolutely do not have the patience for ceramics. Um, there are steps you have to follow. And, you know, I paint with primarily water-based and acrylic media, and I'm out there with a hairdryer. That's how impatient I am. That's, that's, that's the reason I don't work in oil is I don't have the patience for oil paint. 
Um, so I work very spontaneously and very quickly, and I have, the, have to have that immediacy of just creating and, and moving and, and just going with it. And so that's what draws me to it. You know, there's there's steps that you have to follow for printmaking that as much as I love printmaking, and I, I, I minored in screen printing. So I, my minor is in printmaking, but I, I focused on screen printing. And I can do screen printing because it, it's got that spontaneity that I love. But, you know, in Toglio or Litho, I, I don't have the patience for those processes either. Same with photography or anything else. <laughs> well, it's hard when you work so long on something and you can't do that process of scraping it down. Like, that print is the end product. So, it's well, it can be. Yeah, well, it, I'll, I'll question that one. Okay, I was about okay. to say. Everything but can you be. can always tear yeah. something apart. <laughs> it's a weird dichotomy, too, because, you know, I sitting here saying that I don't have the patience for some of these other processes, yet I can go out in the studio and work on a painting for eight hours straight. Yeah. You know, I forget to eat. I forget to go to sleep, you know. And so it's not longevity. I don't have, I do have the patience to stay with an art piece. It's just something about those steps and processes of some of those other media that I just it doesn't sit right with my head. Your obsession's more on the paint. <laughs> <laughs> paint is the obsession. Okay, so what we want to ask is you know, as you're inspiring students and getting them to create and like look at the things around them, what things do you look at that inspire you? Like, who are your art parents, or, or what what in the art world or outside of the art world inspires you? Well, I I hopefully inspire students. Um, <laughs> I don't think we mentioned it. By the way, he's a professor at TJC and was my professor and was one of the reasons I wanted to be a teacher someday. Oh, and um, Eddie, nice. were you at TJC? I was not at TJC, oh my but goodness. I heard many, many stories wow. about how the great Derek White. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's a great job and, you know, we laugh all the time. You know, my colleagues and I, we have a great family in the art department and we just have the greatest job in the world where we get to hopefully inspire these students to you know start to communicate visually in art with their own voice and that's one of the most exciting things I can see happen in the classroom and one of the things that I try to stress to painting students in the studio is you know I'll see them out in the lobby and you know they're hanging out before class and they're talking to friends and they're talking and just for example they're talking about anime let's say and that's all they talk about. It's on every article of clothing that they wear. They watch it on their laptop or their phone all day long. They come into painting class, into the studio, and they start painting a landscape with mountains. And that makes <laughs> no sense to me. And I tell them, it's like, don't, don't, don't abandon your passions at the door to come in here and start making what you think art has to look like. If you don't want to paint landscape mountains, don't paint landscape mountains. Take what you're interested in, what you love, what you're obsessed with on a daily basis, and bring that, incorporate that into your artwork. doesn't mean you have to start ripping off anime, but find your own style and your own voice of, you know, communicating your love of anime, if that's what it is, through the art that you make. Right. And so, you know, I'll have students that love baking or they love photography and then they come into the studio and their artwork doesn't have anything to do with those things and mm-hmm. it, it puzzles me. So what I tell them on the first day of class is I can't teach them how to paint. I mean, there's there's YouTube videos for every technique that you can imagine when it comes to painting or artistic process. So if you want to learn encaustic, go on YouTube and that'll teach you. You're, you're better off learning that from the internet than you are from me. But me trying to teach them how to paint is like me trying to teach them how to keep a diary. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not them. 
And so they need to learn how to, and that's what I try to do. I bring my life experiences to the work that I make. It has everything to do, and I think this is true for most artists, it has everything to do with who you are as a child, uh, who you want to be in the future, and who you are now. Mm. And all those three things kind of clash into the art that you make and what you're trying to communicate and what you're trying to communicate at different points in your life. You know, the art that I made before I had children was different than the art that I make now. And it changes your aesthetic. So anything about daily life um, can find its way into the art that you make. Do you have any art world inspirations, like your art parents, or like who, from a museum standpoint or a local standpoint? Yeah, probably too many to name. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I get that. Uh, I say, is there like one in particular that stood out to you back in the day? Well, I answered in the the questionnaire that y'all gave me. I found a huge inspiration in my community college art professor in an art appreciation class, Randy Brodnex. And I think one of the big reasons why is, you know, I came out of high school. Uh, community college was my, my bridge or my avenue into higher education. I couldn't have gone straight to university. I couldn't afford it. So community college was there, and that's one of the reasons I'm dedicated to community college experience. So when I started looking for a job, I only looked at a community college. I didn't apply at any university because I wanted to give back to that that opportunity to other people. But Randy Brodnex came in in an art appreciation class. Paul and I had it together, Paul Jones, a colleague of mine. And he was the first adult that I remember experiencing who was having fun being an adult. (laughs) <laughs> and a light bulb went off in my head. I was like, this guy's having a good time being grown up. <laughs> and, you know, I just kind of in the back of my mind, I was like, I want to do what he's doing. And ultimately, you know, I, I had no intention of majoring in art, but after some courses with Randy and his belief in me and that I could do it, you know, I'd always drawn and created, but I, I didn't want to pursue that until I took that art appreciation class okay. with Randy Brodnax and then went on to major in art, and I get to do what he does now. Yeah, you do a good job at it. <laughs> I have to say, there's a, there's a certain, I, I think you uh, took on that, that coat and wear it really well. Well, he's he's a big hero of mine. And then there's, you know, art-wise, there's amazing artists all throughout Texas, mostly Texas contemporary art, like David Bates from Dallas mm-hmm. and Billy Hassel from Fort Worth. And, you know, those artists where I look at their work and I'm just wowed by how it looks and just think, man... I wish I could do what they do. Yeah. <laughs> I know that feeling. Okay, so what what do you currently have um, going on in the art world? Currently, I've got a sh- I'm participating in a group show. It's at Mighty Fine Arts. It's called uh, Return of the Ant Colony Gallery. Um, the Ant Colony was a gallery that shut down in 2015. It was run by uh, Manuel Encina. And it's just kind of a, a celebration of him and what he did with that gallery and the time that he did run it. And so they invited some of the artists that had had solo shows there to exhibit at Mighty Fine Arts, which is just down the street. It's on North Tyler in Dallas in the Bishop Arts District or Oak Cliff. And so that's going on. And then I'm in the exhibition that East Texas Creatives has yeah. put together uh, down at Work Hub. I've got a couple pieces sad. down there. So there's that. And then... There are two exhibitions called Art and Medicine, and this is operated by the Valorosa Gallery here in town. And there's one at the UT Tyler um, Pharmacy Building, and then there's an exhibition at the TJC um, Nursing Building. So I've got work in both of those. And then there is a new restaurant opening up in downtown Tyler. It's called Culture ETX. Oh, um, I've heard of this one yet. This is uh, Chef Lance McWhorter. 
and he uh, is going to showcase a local artist, uh, Tyler Shelton and myself. We're going to mm-hmm. have work hanging in there when it's awesome. set to open up. I'll have to check that nice. out. We appreciate how involved you are in not only what we're doing, but in the entire community. You yeah. also, Thank you. Um, you sponsor the TJC Art Club as well, correct? I, I, I do. <laughs> um, <laughs> you have so much fun. I'm glad you keep it going for well, us. <laughs> We have a saying in the art club is, once you're a member, you're always a member. Yeah. So um, I don't think that just because a student no longer goes to TJC or, you know, they transfer to another institution or, you know, they haven't gone to school for 15 years, <laughs> um, I still consider all our, all our former students and our current students members of the art club. How many yeah. years now? Um, Should I think we get one on 18. Oh, my God. Is like it 18? really? Let's see. Well, yeah. 16, it, probably. Oh, three. Man, <laughs> Lisa helped found that club. Is oh what I gosh. hear. Yeah, I'm starting to feel <laughs> old Lisa a little bit. Lisa is our official, first official club president. Yeah. Um, yeah. We founded the art club, and then she stepped yeah. in to become president. And we've been rolling strong ever since. It's yeah. it's been great. One of the great things about my job, not only the the opportunity to hopefully inspire students, but these students have become some of the most interesting people I've ever met in my life. And. You know, now with social media and the art community that we have here, yeah. it is so great to stay in contact with these students and see what they're doing, see what Lisa's doing, and uh, see what Christina's doing, and and just really kind of keep in touch and see that the students, you know, that were in my class 15 years ago are now the movers and shakers in the art community that's building here in East Texas. I think it's important. It's important to be part of something originally that makes you want to find people again um and that's one of the reasons like we work so hard at trying to keep community going because if you have a good community you can never get that out of your head right you always want it i mean that was one of the things i really appreciated about your class was the idea of hey this is fun i kind of want to do this why is this person having so much fun i want to figure this out (laughs) so exactly I think I want to roll off of a conversation we were having before the mic turned on. Oh, yeah. About um, accessing the public and, like, making the art world kind of more approachable. And I kind of want to get your take on, like, how do we do that as a community or as a Individual, area, too. Individual. It starts with each person, I think. Yeah. I think art can uh, intimidate a lot of people because there is that hoity-toity way of approaching it sometimes. Right. And I think one of the things you can do to empower an audience of community members or whoever is to let them know that their opinions about art are valid because they're bringing their own life experiences to it. And so even if, you know, people are raving about it and it's selling at the museum or it's showing at the museum or it's selling at the gallery and everyone's talking about how great this work of art is, if you don't like it, you don't like it. And you don't have to justify that to anybody. You don't have to explain it in highfalutin terms as to why you don't like it. Some things you're just not going to like. Yeah. You know, if someone wants to pay $65 million for a Vincent Van Gogh, let them. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't. Yeah. If I had $65 million, I would not buy a Vincent Van Gogh painting. No. One, I don't have $65 million. <laughs> Two, if I have $65 million, I'm going to buy something cool. <laughs> I mean, not that a Vincent Van Gogh is not cool, but... You know, it, there's a lot of other art out there. Oh yeah, there's <laughs> six other paintings. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think hover cars. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I think um, I one of my goals in all of this is to 
just make people feel like this is for them as well. Like, you kind of can start from anywhere, like, mm-hmm. and start making. And, like, it takes a lifetime to become a professional artist, but, like, all of this is for the public. It's for anybody to see, and they can create their own interpretation on what, what they see and what they want to see in the future. Well, it's kind of like the, the idea that there's somebody coming after you, and there was someone who's there before you. I think that's an important thing as a human being to remember that, like, Lutz is a community. No matter, you can be an island all you want, but no matter what, you're going to have people in your life and that people that you're going to influence. And community is ultimately the, you know, what art is. I think one of the things that's important is people, um, non-artists especially, need to realize the power and how important it is to live with original art and i think if mm. we can if we can change that mindset or yeah. encourage that mindset um here in east texas it would really do us a great favor because living with original art one of the things that i love is you know i'll go to an old friend's house or you know someone who i've sold a piece two years ago and see a piece and i'm like oh yeah i forgot about that and it gets me excited i'm like oh i, I, I should start doing that that kind of style again you know it kind of mm. rekindles what i was doing you know couple of decades ago but then it hits me that these people you know wherever it is have been living with this piece and we have our house is full of you know original art from texas contemporary artists former students uh, things i've traded with other artists or bought and it's great it really enriches our our home environment and our life and people need to understand that and when they understand that you know it's not just decoration that you buy mm-hmm. from Hobby Lobby. It's original art from a local artist and you get to bring that into your home and it does enhance the space in a way that, you know, off the shelf stuff can't. It's kind of a piece of soul. I feel like it's like somebody a little piece of that person's experience on life and then you put it on a wall. It's a kind of a strange thing. Mm-hmm. Also the great thing about buying locally is you can experience that person. Like you can talk to them in that gallery or in your local coffee shop and like yeah, exactly. Talk to them about like why they chose to do that. You can actually have a conversation with them, whereas Van Gogh, like we're not gonna have that conversation with them. It's gone it's forever, fun. and so yeah, yeah I do crazy. love that postcard on my <laughs> fridge, but you know, I can never really know what's going on there. And so, yeah, and I as a as an artist, I love it. You know, yeah. Um, I'll I'll have you know my kids or a student tell me you know they saw one of my paintings in a local restaurant. Um, I love being at True Vine and looking over on the wall and seeing my painting hanging there. Yeah. Um, it's great, and it, you know, anytime I can get my work out in front of different pairs of eyes. So if it's out of the studio and out in the world somewhere, mm-hmm. I think that's a good thing. So true. Okay, so what's next? Ooh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> eternal question. <laughs> um, what's next is I hope more of the same. Yeah. Uh, you know, on a personal note, I, I like seeing what's changing in East Texas in our visual arts community, our arts community in general. I think uh, it's got legs uh, greatly in part of what you guys are doing. And the East Texas Creatives, I think, is amazing. And it's got a a driving force that it hasn't had before. And so in my 19 years of being here in East Texas, this is the first time I've, I've seen it and felt that it had the longevity to really change. And East Texas in general is, is, is changing. Um, it's growing a lot. For the better. And I think there's there's more opportunities coming for visual artists here in our region than there has been before. 
and it, it does my heart good because, you know, 15, 16 years ago, if I had an aspiring visual artist in class, the best advice I could give them was move. <laughs> right. You know, go to Dallas, go to Austin, go to Houston, go to Abilene. Uh, you know, all these different communities that support their arts so much better than we used to. Mm-hmm. And I, I really believe that's changing now um, better than it ever has been. And if we can, if we could introduce some of the, the money that's here in East Texas mm-hmm. to some of these local creatives and get that off the ground, I think uh, the sky's the limit for what's coming in the future. I think it'd be enrich not just the artists' lives, but I think that East Texas would find that they have some really wacky, awesome, fun things that they could you know take home and live with. Yeah, like amazing. I said earlier, I've met some of the most amazing people on the planet just who have come through TJC or who I've met through art events here at in East Texas. Yeah. You don't meet these kind of people anywhere else. I've been other places and they're not, <laughs> not the same. The artists there are like just a different set of humans than they mm-hmm. are here. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I mean, what we're doing at like building this community, these people are already here, which yeah. is, I mean, we're not, I mean, maybe there's been one or two people moved in since we started in October, but like it's, the people are here, the community is here, we just need to be more connected and show, like show our evidence that we're here. Yeah, so. I agree. Um, it's really Show the an evidence. exciting time. Yeah, yeah. thank you for all the compliments. Oh, you're welcome. I'm Thanks glad you came you in. Do. Thanks yeah. for coming in. Thanks and for having me. How sharing our, some of your words. How can our listeners find you, like? I have a website. It's uh, canvashead.net. So it's www.canvashead, C-A-N-V-A-S-H-E-A-D.net, N-E-T. Um, on Instagram, it's just canvashead. And then Facebook, it's uh, under my name, Derek White, D-E-R-R-I-C-K-W-H-I-T-E. All right. Awesome. awesome. Well, thank you for coming. Thank you very much for having me and keep doing all the great work that you're doing. I well, appreciate thanks. it. Thanks. You thank too. You. Yeah, you <laughs> I'll <so> try. <laughs> How's that, Ben? That was so good. Thanks, Ben. Yeah, everybody. Thanks, Ben. Yay. <laughs> thanks, Ben. I'm going to do a big shout out to Ben. Mm-hmm. Well, Yay. that was fun. No, I'm so glad you could come. I know you're all wondering where you can find out more about upcoming events and shows. So go to Facebook, ETX Creatives. We have a members page. Also, if you'd like to apply to that, you can have discussions with other creative professionals. We also have a website. Check us out at etxcreatives.com.